Join us as we journey into the heart of Africa. As we explore the expectations of the masses against a backdrop of war. Good governance is vital. Social political change inevitable. The struggle continues. How do we face the challenge? On Channel Africa, every week, we are joined by experts, political analysts and correspondents who will help answer these and many other questions. Tam Tam Express on Channel Africa. An African Odyssey. A knighthood for Ibrahim Ibrahim, Order of Civil Merit at the rank of Knight Commander, one of the highest honors given by the Spanish King to Spanish nationals of foreign citizens deemed to have made an extraordinary contribution. This recognition comes half a century later after he was sentenced twice to Robben Island, starting his first sentence in 1964. But who is Ibrahim Ibrahim? I made a statement in court, and I said to, uh, in my statement that, you know, I do not regret what I've done. I will do it again, and, uh, and that, uh, that we will definitely achieve our freedom, no matter how long it takes. So when I left Robben Island in 1979, when coming in the boat, I looked at the island and I said, well, that's the end of the island. I don't want to come back. Exactly 10 years later, I was back, going back in the boat to the island. Welcome to this edition of Tam Tam Express as I bring you the story of a man committed to the struggle to end apartheid in South Africa. I am Fazila Dahal. Assisting me on the technical side is Revelino Ibrahim. Tam Tam Express explores reality, mystery, dream, aspiration. Tam Tam Express on Channel Africa. Joining me on the show is His Excellency Juan Sell, Ambassador of Spain to South Africa. Your Excellency, welcome and thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Ambassador Sell, you presented the Order of Civil Merit to Don Ibrahim Ibrahim recently. Ibrahim Ibrahim joined other international personalities that Spain believes have made an extraordinary contribution. Share with us the motivation behind this knighthood and what it represents. Well, let, let me start by saying that it was indeed a very moving moment for all of us uh, present at the ceremony. It was indeed a pleasure and an honor to, to bestow the decoration on, upon Minister Ibrahim. Now, on, 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 on the minister, there are two, two reasons for, for him having been granted this, this, this award. First, he is definitely, and uh, everyone would recognize that, a very relevant and distinguished uh, South African. He somehow embodies uh, very well the recent history of this country, uh, be it uh, the uh, quest for freedom and the personal sacrifices during the struggle, or the clarity of uh, purpose or ideas during transition, uh, and all the things that this country has been doing uh, in democracy. That's one reason. And of course, there's another reason, uh, which is the fact that uh, you know, Minister Ibrahim, when, when being Deputy Minister of uh, Foreign Relations, before and after that, he's been um, very supportive of um, Spain-South Africa's relation, and that his watch, uh, these relations uh, have grown tremendously. And uh, we uh, think that with this decoration is, 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 is a way to say also thank you uh, to him. Is it the first time that the King of Spain confer a knighthood on a South African? 
No, no. It's a very exceptional honor, uh, perhaps one or two per year. But there, there have been other South Africans. If I, if I may, for instance, just mention who has received the award this year together with uh, Minister Ibrahim. We've had the CEO of NEPAD, uh, who is not a South African, although he NEPAD is here in South Africa, Dr. Mayaki, and uh, two very relevant uh, South African uh, teachers and dancers of flamenco for more than 50 years. So you see there are people from different walks of, of life, but that share one thing. First, uh, because normally these decorations are not for a particular deed, I mean something that you did once, huh? but we like to rather recognize well-lived and well-served uh, distinguished careers. And the other thing is, of course, the fact that they, they've played a role in strengthening the relations between my country, between Spain and South Africa. Ambassador Juan Sell, thank you so much for joining us on Channel Africa. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. And uh, all I can say is, is, is that we are, again, delighted that uh, Minister Ibrahim uh, got this very important award. Thank you very much. Channel Africa. Dan Ibrahim Ibrahim, thank you for joining me on the show. First, let me congratulate you. You have really made some strides since we last met. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Don Ibrahim, it has a very nice resonance to it. Freshly knighted, how do you feel and what does this recognition mean to you? Well, of course, I am honored and humbled at, uh, to be recognized in this manner. I must say it came as a surprise to me. But I think it's a, it's a recognition uh, of the long struggle that we have fought in South Africa to achieve freedom and democracy. And I regard it as a recognition, not to myself personally, but all those uh, comrades that were in the struggle with me who fought for this uh, democratic South Africa. So I was quite happy to receive it. And, and I think it is a recognition that we have worked very hard and we achieved democracy in, the, in, the, in more or less a peaceful manner that we did. Now, allow me to take you down memory lane. What made the young Ibrahim Ibrahim join the struggle? Look, I was a young boy in school, and in primary school. I grew up in Durban, and, you know, always encountered racial discrimination, not allowed to go to the beaches, and not allowed to go to the cinemas, and not allowed to go to parks. And uh, I was inspired by the 1952 Defiance Campaign, and I always went to mass meetings and went to the office of the Congress uh, as a volunteer, carrying placards and distributing leaflets. And since then, I've been an activist, and, and, and uh, I've never looked back. Uh, I took part in, in most of the struggle of the 50s, and until, of course, the ANC was banned, and I joined the armoring of the ANC in 1961. You spent 20 years on Robben Island, and you were one of the few ANC leaders who was sentenced to the island twice. Let's talk about your first sentence uh, from 1964 to 1979. You shared a cell with Jacob Zuma, the current president of South Africa. Uh, yes, I was sentenced to 15 years. Uh, I was arrested in 1963, sentenced 64. Uh, actually, Jacob Zuma was on his way leaving the country, he was arrested, and uh, we were all in, in Leacorp prison, and we traveled together to Robben Island. Uh, he stayed in the same cell as I did, 
and we shared the same cell. He did 10 years and I did 15 years. And uh, we became quite close and, and, and I also assisted him because he hadn't been to school, he had not, he had, not had formal education. And, uh, and I also assisted him to read and write and, and do some formal education. So yes, we, and of, of course, we did a lot of political education there. And, and, and of course, of course, we, we shared the same cell, we struggled together to improve prison conditions, and we did all sorts of things, yeah. How old were you and how old was Jacob Zuma at the time? Well, he was much younger than me. I was, I think, in 22 or 23. I think he was about four or five years younger than I was, yeah. He was, I think, in his teens, yeah. Locked up in the same cell. Give us an insight what you used to talk about uh, to while away the time for so many years. Well, look, on Robben Island, we did a lot of political education. We had political lectures. We would discuss, you know, the whole question of of the ANC and uh, international politics. And then uh, we should also do some reading and and then we should have a lot of cultural items. Uh, Zuma was very good at it because he at one stage was uh, was conducting a choral, a group, and he was doing uh, traditional dancing. So we kept ourselves occupied to see that, uh, you know, that prison life shouldn't be just a boring one. Yeah. Channel Africa. Coming up on Tam Tam Express. I think the idea was to break us, to break our morale, to break us down. But I must say they didn't succeed. At no stage in our prison life we ever regretted that we were in prison. Of course, we didn't want to be in prison, but we knew that our cause was just. And our morale was always high, and we knew that one day we are going to be victorious. Tam Tam Express, the show that goes beyond borders, the show that breaks down barriers, the show that informs. More after this. A march towards freedom and justice is irreversible. I have spoken about freedom in my lifetime. I'm Emma. I think women should test when they are pregnant because I never tested and my baby is positive and it's so hard to live with a positive child. We are victims not of a colonial power coming from Europe. It's the first time that in Africa the colonialism came from within and that is the tragedy. We grew up in a country that was very restrictive and we were never sure whether we could achieve the types of levels that white people were going to achieve very easily simply because of their skin color. What can a 14-year-old girl wish for on Christmas Eve? That morning, they said uh, we must make our wishes. Lauren comes to me and whistles on my ear and said, can I ask for a kidney? I said, yes, you can ask for a kidney. Welcome to this edition of Tam Tam Express. Let me tell you a story. There was a conspiracy theory between the United Kingdom and the United States of America to keep this silent. And we have produced documentary evidence in court. 
administrations put it black and white that we should keep this very silent, we should not uh, attract any criticism on this before the UN, and we should even do worse, we should create a fiction. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We are talking to Dan Ibrahim Ibrahim, a struggle veteran who has recently been made Knight Commander by the King of Spain. Welcome back. Ibrahim Ibrahim, uh, share with our listener your experience of prison life on Robben Island. Well, look, when we got there, prison life was very, very difficult. Uh, number one, we didn't get enough food. Secondly, we didn't get enough clothing. We didn't get enough blankets or, or we, uh, we slept on the floor on mats. And the winters were very, very cold. We would go every morning to the stone quarry along the, along the sea where we would break stones. And uh, we, we were being assaulted and sworn at, etc., etc. So it was a very, very difficult life when we got there. But of course, as prisoners, we fought back as well. You see, we, we, we complained, we went on a hunger strike, and, 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 and gradually things began to improve. But by the time I left prison after 15 years, well, things had improved a bit, but, uh, but still, uh, every day we were stripped naked in the cold to be searched. And when you worked in the quarry, you had to break certain quantity of stone. If you didn't fill the quota, then you wouldn't get three meals. In other words, weekends you would not have, you would be deprived of three meals. So things are difficult. I think the idea was to break us, to break our morale, to break us down. But I must say they didn't succeed. At no stage in our prison life, we ever regretted that we were in prison. Of course, we didn't want to be in prison, but we knew that our cause was just and our morale was always high and we knew that one day we are going to be victorious. So uh, you knew then that you would be victorious, but you couldn't foresee a future whereby Jacob Zuma would be president and you would be knighted by the King of Spain. Yes, of course, we never thought that, uh, that, that uh, Jacob Zuma would be president and that. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, the, we knew the struggle was going to be a long and hard one. Uh, uh, I must say honestly, uh, uh, because I went to, to prison the second time and I didn't think that I would be out of prison within the, within the few years. But we still thought the struggle was going to be hard and long. And uh, some of us thought, well, maybe we, we may not live to see the freedom. But it so happened that we were successful. Yeah. You were very young when you first went to prison. You missed out on a lot of things, including family life. Well, yes, of course I missed family life. Uh, uh, but I must say my family was very supportive. Uh, they came to visit me from time to time in prison. And I did, uh, yeah, I, I miss family life, I, I miss, the, you, you, you know, the, as an adult, as a youth, and, and, and I, did, I did really miss that, yeah. After your release, you went into exile. You were subsequently kidnapped by the NIS apartheid intelligence in 1986. You were tortured and charged with treason. Well, uh, I was going to be arrested, uh, and the head office in Lusaka got information that I was going to be arrested because I was still, when I came out of prison, I was still engaged in political activity. So 
So they pulled me out, and I was stationed in Maputo, Swaziland. Then in 1986, I was kidnapped by the South African Security Forces from Swaziland. Uh, I was detained, I was badly tortured, and then I was uh, charged for high treason. And uh, then, of course, I was uh, sentenced to 20 years. Interestingly, when the judge sentenced me, he says, you know, now I want to give you a sentence that when you come out of prison, you'll be an old man because that 15 years didn't do you any good at all. So he sentenced me to 20 years. But interestingly, the matter was taken on appeal, my case. And in the beginning of 1991, five judges in the Supreme Court ruled that my abduction was illegal. Therefore, the court had no jurisdiction to try me, and I was released. But of course, after that, all the other prisoners were released as well, you see. Let me take you back a little bit. Uh, you mentioned earlier you were badly tortured. Uh, can you describe to us what exactly they did to you? Well, look, they put me in a cell, in a very small cell. There's hardly any air. Uh, all the windows were barricaded with, with plastic perspex. And uh, they exposed me to 24 hours of sound, noises coming into my cell. They were actually psychologically wanted to break me down. And they nearly succeeded because at one stage I was just going off my head. And they continuously tried to break me. And until, of course, uh, and, and I'd complained to the doctor. And this, those days you had what is called inspector of detainees. And then, of course, uh, they dealt with it and they removed me. But I went through a very, very difficult experience. It's a type of torture they use. They actually told me that, look, the security police said, we will put you through something. If you survive, we'll be convinced that, you're not a, uh, that you are not a human being. Something to that effect, you see. So, yeah, they, they, they really tried to break me down. But, of course, uh, they didn't succeed. I didn't make any statements. I refused to talk to them. I refused to make a, a single statement to the police. You must have been very strong to have endured all that and still come out of it. Well, I mean, that, that was part of our struggle. I mean, uh, I'm sure many comrades were uh, very strong, like, my, like myself, yeah. But, uh, but it was uh, quite a, an experience uh, which I do not want to repeat again, yeah. Channel Africa Coming up on Tam Tam Express... Interestingly, when the judge sentenced me, he says, you know, now I want to give you a sentence that when you come out of prison, you'll be an old man because that 15 years didn't do you any good at all. So he sentenced me to 20 years. Tam Tam Express, the show that goes beyond borders, the show that breaks down barriers, the show that informs more after this. Sometimes express on Channel Africa. A journey to the known and the unknown. Sometimes express on Channel Africa. A journey of discovery. A journey into the known and the unknown. Tamtam Express explores reality, mystery, dream, aspiration. Sometimes express on Channel Africa. We are talking to Dan Ibrahim Ibrahim, a struggle veteran who has recently been made Knight Commander by the King of Spain. Welcome back. 
Um, the second time uh, when uh, the judges sentenced you for a second time to Robben Island for 20 years. Can you take us back to that moment when you heard the sentence? What went through your mind? Well, look, I knew that uh, the political situation had changed a bit that time. You know, you had mass demonstration, you had the United Democratic Front. And uh, I made a statement in court, and I said to, uh, in my statement that, you know, I do not regret what I've done. I will do it again, and that, uh, that we will definitely achieve our freedom, no matter how long it takes. I had a lot of support from the ordinary people, from my family. They're all the way in court. And, uh, and of course, I was, uh, nobody wants to be in jail, but I knew that that was part of, of the struggle. And, uh, and of course, uh, I was not looking forward to going to Robben Island because when I left Robben Island in 1979, when coming in the boat, I looked at the island and I said, well, that's the end of the island. I don't want to come back. Exactly 10 years later, I was back, going back in the boat to the island. <laughs> and that, that too, I myself, uh, yeah, I come back again. But uh, when we were on the island, we knew things were going to change because Mandela was in, in Victor Faster. He would call some of us, including myself, three or four of us, to go to Victor Faster. And they would leave us there in his house and he would tell us, the negotiation that he's having there, and, 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 and the correspondence he's been having with uh, F.W.D. Clerk and P.W. Mota earlier, and he'll tell us, go to Robben Island, talk to the prisoners, and ask the prisoners whether what I'm doing is correct, and come back to me. So we would go there, and the prisoners, the, 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 the prison department would allow us to meet, we would report to the prisoners. We will go back to Victor Foster and tell Mandela the prisoners are fully behind you and they fully support what you are doing. So from then we knew that things are going to change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That must have lifted your spirit. Yes, yes, it did lift our spirit. Now, coming back to the case when and you won the appeal in 1991, I believe this case uh, has been cited internationally in legal discourse. Yes, it has been cited. It was uh, Ismail Muhammad who became the Chief Justice uh, represented me. And wherever I go, people say that they, when, whoever does international law, it's a very important case. And uh, Professor Duga told me once that uh, the House of Lords have accepted the judgment. But at that time, Noriega, who was kidnapped from Panama, asked for the judgment, but of course the American courts rejected it. You are currently serving as parliamentary counselor to President Zuma. Uh, from sharing a cell on Robben Island to the presidency, do you have to pinch yourself sometimes to realize that this is real? Well, yes. <clears throat> of course, I've got a good relations with him, and, 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 and we talk about lots of things. And, uh, and he wanted me there. He said that, well, he'd he like somebody that he could do. Uh, who could be close to him and who, whom he could trust to be his parliamentary counselor. So I discussed matters, parliamentary matters and ANC matters and, and, and international issues. And, and I think that we get along quite well. And I think he has a lot of confidence in me. And I'm in a situation to tell him exactly what I want to say. And he knows that uh, I'm quite honest about things here. Yeah.
When you look back on your life, what are the memories that stand out that you cherish? Well, look, I mean, the fact that uh, that uh, we have the we had received our freedom, my first time entering into parliament, for the first time voting in my life. Uh, I think those are memories I really cherish. I was elected in the National Executive Committee in 1991, and since then I've always been I've been in the National Executive Committee until until now, and, and I'm glad that I've been able to make this contribution. But uh, my highlight was, but the first time I went to vote in 1994, and the first time I was sworn in to Parliament uh, as a young man, and uh, you know, on Robben Island, I never dreamed that. The, that thing will come as soon as it did come. Yeah, we knew one day, of course, we were going to win. But uh, the, 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 the idea that you are there in the seat of power, and uh, that I think was uh, something that I cherish. Yeah. Sometimes express on Channel Africa. A journey to the known and the unknown. Samsung Express on Channel Africa. A journey of discovery. A journey into the known and the unknown. Samsung Express explores reality, mystery, dream, aspiration. Samsung Express on Channel Africa. We are talking to Dan Ibrahim Ibrahim, a struggle veteran who has recently been made Knight Commander by the King of Spain. Welcome back. Today, uh, Ibrahim Ibrahim, uh, you are in a happy space in your life. You started a family late in life. You have two young children. What legacy would you like to leave for them? Well, yes, <laughs> my girl is eight, my boy is six. They're a great pleasure. They keep me young. But uh, I would like to leave with them the legacy. I want them to grow up in a free, non-racial society. Uh, and I'm glad they, they, uh, they got friends that come here of all racial groups. I take them to Robben Island to show them where I was and what I did. And then I want them to, to grow up in a free uh, and a democratic society, a society that is prosperous, and a society that is safe for them to grow up in. And lastly, what is your message? Look, my message is that uh, whatever, wherever there is conflict, we, there is always a way of resolving the conflict peacefully as long as you have the political will to do it. One of the things I'm doing now, wherever there is conflict, I go and share our experiences. I do that in Sri Lanka, in Bolivia, in Madagascar, in many other parts of the world. And my message is that there is no need for violence. All issues can be settled if people are really determined to sit together and peacefully resolve the problem, no matter how difficult the problem is, there's a way you could resolve the problem. And Ibrahim, Ibrahim, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. I wish you all the very best. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tamtam Express explores reality, mystery, dream, aspiration. Tamtam Express on Channel Africa.
We welcome your views, comments, and suggestions. You can contact me by phone, fax, or email. Check our website for details at www.channelafrica.org or you can write directly to the producer on the following email address, tamtamexpress at channelafrica.org. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I am Fazila Dahal. Join me next week, same time, same place on Channel Africa. Till then, goodbye.